Thank you for listening to Therapy for Guys. My name is Kike Autry, and I'm a licensed professional counselor in Katy, Texas. In this podcast, I want to explore the issues that men stay silent about, our struggles with anxiety and depression, our relationship issues, obstacles that we face with a diagnosis like ADHD or autism or OCD, and our big existential crises, those related to spirituality and religion, to larger cultural realities, and to the question of the meaning of life. If you enjoy this podcast and you would like to learn more about me, I would encourage you to check out my website. You can find it at kikeautry.com. That's Q-U-I-Q-U-E-A-U-T-R-E-Y.com. I would love to hear from you. I would love to connect. And as always, remember, continue the conversation. In this episode, I sit down and have a conversation with Amy Galpin. Amy is a licensed professional counselor supervisor in Katy, Texas. She's been in the mental health field since 2007, and in that time, she's worked at various treatment centers, hospitals, and has spent most of her career in private practice. Besides being a supervisor and working with mental health professionals who are in the training process. She does something called neurofeedback, which is a treatment that's very effective for ADHD, anxiety, and depression. Amy, in her current position, specializes in teenage boys, teenage girls, treating ADHD, anxiety, depression, trauma. I think you'll really enjoy her perspective her sense of humor, and her breadth of, of wisdom and experience. And if, and if you find this episode helpful, if you think there's a family out there who's struggling with the ADHD diagnosis, who has a teenage boy who's, who's struggling with that, please share this episode, connect them with Amy, and um, I just hope that this is beneficial for you. Thanks for listening, and uh, we'll connect soon.
Thank you so much for being a part of the podcast. I really appreciate you making time to have this conversation. Thank you for having me. Yeah, I'm excited to be here. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, I'm going to have like this intro where the listeners will get a more in-depth picture into your biography, but I thought maybe it'd be good to start by just telling us a little bit about yourself, maybe a couple personal details, and then what you're up to professionally these days. Okay, well, so I got fully licensed back in 2007, um, so I've been doing therapy since then. Um, I've worked at a number of different places, um, like, you know, psychiatric hospitals. Um, I've run treatment centers for kids with substance abuse issues um, and some kids that were in the foster care system. And most of my time has been in private practice and doing something called neurofeedback and then, of course, talk therapy. Okay, I, I know this isn't quite the episode where I want to go really in depth into neurofeedback, but I, I do want to say to the listeners that at some point we're going to do an entire episode dedicated to that so they get a sense of kind of what it is and how it might help um, their son or, or even themselves. I, I appreciate um, some of those kind of initial remarks. Let, let me just kind of jump right into it and, and ask, ask this question in light of what I want this episode to really be about, which is sort of the teenage boy and their relationship to ADHD. I think there's probably a lot of myths and stereotypes and misconceptions out there from educators, parents, um, and just the general public on what ADHD is and how it impacts teenage boys. I was hoping you could just kind of speak to that. I know that's a broad question, but we'll just see where our conversation goes. All right. That sounds good. Well, you know, I think one of the biggest myths about boys and ADHD is that they have to be hyperactive and be bouncing off the walls and be all over the place. And while that might be more typical in boys than it is in girls, it's not always the case. And so I think a lot of boys go undiagnosed, um, especially the ones who aren't hyperactive, um, the same goes for girls. They, they tend to not get diagnosed as often because they aren't bouncing off the walls in elementary school or pushing their peers or hitting people. Um, and so they just kind of struggle in silence. They struggle in silence. Man, that sounds like rough. Yeah, you know, and I, I think one interesting dynamic I have with some of the people I work with is also having ADHD myself and being diagnosed and, you know, being female and not getting diagnosed till later in life. Um, it helps me to understand sometimes some of the struggles that they go through that maybe other practitioners maybe don't fully understand because it can be difficult to understand ADHD when it's not a um, neurological difference that you have. Mm. Yeah. What... You know, I I sometimes hear from parents 
um, when their their son is is diagnosed with ADHD, that they have no clue how to like really parent them, and and they just feel completely lost, and and they have a hard time sort of deciding what's the diagnosis and what's them just either being defiant or or lazy sometimes or disrespectful. How do you navigate that in your in your own parenting and in your therapy? Well, you know, I think that's a difficult, it's a difficult thing that isn't one size fits all. Um, but, you know, parenting a kid with ADHD is difficult because they really do struggle. They have neurological differences that other people don't have. So, um, you know, they're not, sometimes it can be looked at as defiance, but some of the things they're doing, they're not actively doing it to not listen or to be difficult. They really are struggling. Um, you know, like, um, I think one piece that people don't talk about with ADHD too um, is the emotional component. You know, we look at the trouble, the trouble with focus and the fact that they're not turning in their work so they're getting zeros and those kinds of things. But kids with ADHD, the other half of, um, of the disorder involves um, struggling emotionally. You know, they have really big reactions. Um, their brains, you know, on an EEG um, light up in certain places whenever... Um, something happens that's um, that's difficult for them um, in a way that someone who's neurotypical, um, their brain doesn't look that way. Um, so they typically tend to get really, really upset. Um, and if you engage them in that moment, they will come back at you and argue with you. And there's part of their brain that kind of looks for um, the conflict, where if you walk away and then come back a little later, Oftentimes parents will tell me that that's a super helpful tool because when they come back later and talk to their child after giving them like 10 minutes, um, you know, the child might say extreme things in the moment like, you know, I just don't want to live or um, you don't get me or I hate you. And when the parents come back about 10 or 15 minutes later after they've had a little time to calm down, the child is like, I'm fine. Why are you, why are you still asking me these questions? Yeah, that's a um, good point. You know, and. I, th- I think you're really bringing up a good point around like the emotional dimensions of ADHD and, and how guys can struggle with that. I, I, I see that in my own practice. And so I wonder from your perspective, do you think someone with ADHD might get misdiagnosed or, or maybe a parent or an educator would, would think that maybe they're struggling with maybe it's depression or, 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 or something like that when, when really it's kind of the ADHD brain? Yeah, you know, and I can say that part of my movement towards the neurofeedback um, line of treatment has to do with that exactly, as I, I learned in practice that sometimes it's hard to tell the difference um, between ADHD or anxiety or depression um, because they all have the difficulty with focus component and the difficulty with motivation, um, and so for me, being able to look at a QEG and look at someone's brain map and see what their brain looks like helps me to differentiate, is this actually ADHD or is their focus because they're so anxious that their brain is just elsewhere or are they so depressed that they can't get the motivation to get things together? Um, and then the reality of ADHD that, um, is, I guess another kind of myth, um, is that people don't understand that, you know, ADHD um, is oftentimes accompanied by um, both depression and anxiety at times because when they can't focus or they can't meet the needs of other people, they feel bad, which makes them feel sad, or they feel really anxious when they can't 
seem to motivate themselves to get an assignment done that they know is due really soon um, and it's going to get them into trouble. Um, and so we see a lot of those things coincide with ADHD. And so diagnosing it can be, you know, as difficult as trying to diagnose the cold from the flu. Um, yeah, that's a great point. Okay, another question that, that I'm thinking about that's coming up as is, is I'm kind of processing everything you're saying, which is great, by the way. I sometimes get asked by parents, you know, it's like a teenager to struggle with impulse control and, you know, to obsess about all these different things. You know, their brain hasn't fully developed. How is kind of a teenager, a, a male teenager with ADHD different than just kind of the stereotypical teenager that struggles with not thinking about his actions and how it'll have consequences and, and impulse control kind of stuff? What's, what's different about ADHD? Well, you bring up a good point because they're, um, <clears throat> you know, teenagers, the part of their brain that involves emotion is growing rapidly. Um, and it's really not completely connected to their frontal lobe yet where they think about organizing or thinking before they act and those kinds of things. But there's definitely a marked, a marked difference in kids with ADHD. They tend to do things that are a little more dangerous or, um, you know, um, they react more impulsively, like um, if someone says something negative to them, they're just more likely to, you know, get physical first or like respond in a big way. Um, and so, I mean, there there usually is kind of a marked difference. And sometimes this is where I talk to parents about, you know, medication isn't always necessary for ADHD. Um, it it is super helpful for a lot of people, and in some cases, it, cases it is necessary, but you know, the degree to which your child struggles sometimes is the difference between whether you move towards medication or you just work with, um, you know, CBT or um, learning different strategies to manage the neurological differences. Yeah, no, that's good. Okay, in a moment, I want to get back to maybe some strategies, um, but a couple other kind of questions probably around like myths and stuff that I have. I mean, one is, I, and I know this is something I'm learning more and more. Um, I, I, I do see quite a few clients um, with ADHD. I, I wouldn't say it's necessarily one of my specialties, but it's it's come to my awareness because um, I do end up seeing a lot of people with uh, autism or who are neurodiverse that ADHD can have some social difficulties as well. Uh, that's kind of a new thought for me in some ways. I, I wonder if you could speak to that, if you, if you would agree with that, maybe where you see teenage boys with ADHD struggling socially. Well, you know, I think one of the biggest complaints I hear from the boys themselves is that people call them annoying. Um, mm. And it's really hurtful um, because they really, they know that the things that they do sometimes are over the top, but they don't realize till afterwards that it was, um, that it was annoying to their peers. Um, and so sometimes that kind of makes them shy away from being social, um, you know, and they get a lot of negative feedback from their teachers, from their parents, from their peers. And so sometimes they can be a little more, um, you know, unsure of how to be around other people. And so it makes them, you know, sometimes they're inside of their head or super focused on something else. Um, would, would, would you say that it can contribute to kind of low confidence or struggles with self-esteem? Oh, absolutely. And it's part of why getting your child help as quickly as you can and, um, and talking with a therapist who knows what they're talking about is so important because, um, unfortunately, typical um, parenting strategies don't really work with kids with ADHD. And honestly, sometimes they really contribute to low self-esteem or um, 
you know, the child really feeling like they're just not good enough and they can't do anything right. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So just a couple more questions before we end. Um, one, and, and I feel like we could do an entire episode on this and maybe we will in, in a future session. If you had to pick one thing that you'd highlight for the parent out there who's wondering, you know, how in the hell do I parent my ADHD teen boy effectively? What, 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 what would you say? Um, <clears throat> well, first of all, I would say um, that um, it's important to address the concerns and actually talk to your son. Um, I know that they sometimes, sometimes the myth is that boys don't want to talk to their parents. And I find that that's not necessarily true. Um, you do have to approach them differently. You know, sometimes it's about, I, I tell parents it's called dropping the bomb, like to just walk in their room and say, Hey, um, if you want to talk, I'm out in the living room. Um, just come find me and then walk away. Um, cause if you just go sit on their bed and yak at them or stare at them, um, it's really uncomfortable. But I find that if you let them know that you're there and then give them the opportunity to make that decision more often than not, the child will kind of come out at some point and go, you know, I think I do want to talk about what happened. Um, and so I think that's helpful to know. Um, yeah, I really like that. Instead of being in a position where you're kind of almost forcing them to talk, it's kind of giving them some space and then inviting them into a conversation later on. Right, and making sure that you let them know you're open to it because sometimes kids think their parents are unapproachable and it's not anything that the parent is necessarily doing, but you're not inviting them. Yeah, no, that's, that's a really good point. Okay, maybe we can end on, on this note. You know, with any diagnosis, it, it can be difficult because there's kind of stigmas connected to them. Um, you know, they talk about kind of sometimes even a grief process of wrestling with, okay, maybe I'm not normal or I thought I was this way, but, but you know, this psychiatrist or psychologist or therapist is saying that I have this. I know that ADHD comes with its obstacles. It can be difficult for a teenage guy to kind of embrace it and integrate it into his personality. But with that said, what are some of the benefits of ADHD? When, when you're working with a client and you're helping them frame this diagnosis for themselves and pointing out the good and the positive, what do you say? So that's pretty fascinating. And there's some really good books about it, too, um, about some of the really positive contributions that people with ADHD make. Um, a lot of times I'll cite um, some research that I've read that um, talks about you know CEOs and um, that many of the CEOs of large companies have ADHD. Um, people with ADHD tend to be very creative. Um, they're big picture thinkers. So part of the problem is we miss the details, but we also, also are often able to look at things from a perspective that other people aren't. Um, and we're able to come up with solutions that other people wouldn't um, think of, but they're actually um, really, really helpful. Mm, that's really good. So it definitely comes with like, creativity, big picture thinking. Mm -hmm. And the hyper focus piece of it, that's like the opposite of not focusing. Um, you <laughs> that's know, a good point. <laughs> our, our neurological system is interest-based. So when, when someone finds something they're interested in, um, they are usually extremely successful and detail-oriented and um, impressively good at the thing that they um that they're doing. And so, you know, I always tell them, you know, high school, it's the high school, junior high, um, sometimes even college, it's the only time in your life you're expected to be good at all of the different subjects. Mm. When you get into adulthood, you're able to pick the one that really fits you and find a career that fits your, like, 
you know, the things that you're interested in. And at that point, a lot of times we see people be incredibly successful. Yeah, that's that's such a good point. I'm, I'm kind of glad that you're ending kind of on that note. Um, I guess before we sign off, if there's a listener who's interested in connecting with you, uh, maybe learning more about your approach or learning more about neurofeedback or maybe even wanting to schedule um, an appointment with you, what's the best way to get a hold of you? How, how can they find you online? Um, well, you can go to katieteenandfamily.com. Um, and then my email address, you can always email me directly at amy, A-M-Y, um, at katieteenandfamilycounseling.com. Okay. All right. Well, awesome. Well, thanks again for, for joining me. And um, I look forward to a future conversation. All right. It was nice being here. Yes. Oh, before we end, I'm asking my participants to end with the statement, continue the conversation. As cheesy as that sounds, can you do that for me? Continue the conversation. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you again for listening to this episode. I really hope that you enjoyed it. Let's try to connect. Reach out to me. You can go to my website at com, or you can Google my name, Kike Autry on Google, and there you'll find my Facebook and Instagram accounts. If you would like to schedule an appointment, you can go to my website or you can go to the website of the practice that I serve at, Katie Teen and familycounseling.com. I can't wait to hear from you. Please share my content and remember, continue the conversation. Uh